Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to uh, today's episode of Everyday Truth. We're in 1 John uh, chapter 2, and we're in a section I promised uh, last episode that we would uh, jump into a section here that's, that's very familiar. Uh, many of you probably have these verses memorized. I remember uh, just as a young person, uh, these were some of the first verses I ever mem- memorized. Mm. Uh, so they became a part of my life. I don't know that I even understood all of what they meant, but uh, uh, they are rich, rich verses for us to understand from the standpoint of our fellowship with the Lord. So let, let's look at them. Uh, I'll read the verses, and then we'll spend the really all of the episode today, maybe even uh, some next episode, talking about them. Look at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Just just three short verses, but so rich with meaning. So let's just take it verse by verse, Josh, and even even clause by clause. So when the Bible says, love not the world, what is the general understanding of that? Because I'll be honest with you, I I travel a lot, and I love the world. (laughs) I mean, I love seeing all different kinds of nature spots, and I've been to Niagara Falls, I've been to... um, some of the, the most scenic spot, the Rocky Mountains. I've seen mm. the Alps. I've been to Israel on numbers of occasions. I've been to China and Thailand and Australia. And I've seen some beautiful spots. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. So yeah. am I disobeying the Bible? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> uh, Rebuked online. That's right. No, obviously this is not a command to not love God's creation, Um, because all of that is certainly God's handiwork, and it's what God has created for us to enjoy and love and be able to see. And so this isn't a um, a command to to not love the world in the sense of the physical, literal world, but the world in the sense of the world's system and the way that that our world operates. And, And how do we know that? Well, we know that by the next verse where he talks about all that is in the world. Well, what is in the world? The world is defined by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm. So you can keep on loving Niagara Falls Man. and the Grand Canyon and Australia and I got everywhere concerned. else. <laughs> Actually, there are four words um, in the original language that define our word world. So when you think about world, one of the words would describe exactly what Josh and I just clarified, and that is this physical world. So nothing wrong with appreciating God's creation. You ought to do that. Matter of fact, I I believe the more that we get out into nature, Mm -hmm. the more God becomes real to us because the heavens do declare the glory of God. And the the, the earth shows his handiwork and we we can see God. Um, So certainly that's not what the Bible is saying here. A second word for world in the Bible is the world (laughs) of people. 
So the Bible says, mm-hmm. for God so loved the world. Sure. So what is it? Are we to love not the world or does God love the world? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a different word. So are we to love people? Yes. And and matter of fact, as we share the heart of God, we will have a heart for people that don't know Christ. We will have a heart to sacrifice and to give them the son of God. Really, that's what God did. He loved the world and gave the world his son. The best way that we can love the world is by giving them his son, giving them the message of Christ. So I think there are two words that define world that we should love. Mm -hmm. We should love God's creation, and we should love uh, the world of sinners. But then there are two other words that we need to really guard against. One of them is the word cosmos, and that's what you refer to. This The arrangement of things, the, this world system. Okay, We would say the philosophies of this world. Paul talked about that in Colossians chapter 2. And then the other word is the word aeons. Maybe you would recognize that. We use the word today, eons, mm-hmm. which means ages or time. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, uh, Josh, is when Paul lamented the departure of Demas— He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And the term there in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10 is not the term used here in 1 John 2. Uh, The term there is the word aeons. In other words, Demas quit because he prioritized now this life over then. He lived more for now than he did then. He didn't have an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. So there are two words for world that we ought to say, yeah, we, we love God's creation. We love uh, people. But then there are two words we need to guard against. Yeah. We don't love this world's philosophy. Right. And we don't love now this temporal life more than then the eternal life. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are very important distinctions to make, especially the one with people and the world's system and philosophy, because so often, especially today, I feel like so often we confuse people with their philosophy. Mm. We confuse people with their political opinion and something that we disagree with, and so we go and attack a person rather than pushing back against that philosophy that that person holds. Yeah, that's a great distinction because we are to love those people. Yeah, right. Clearly, but we are not to love that philosophy. And if we're not careful sometimes, because a person so vociferously touts a philosophy or because their lifestyle so um, poignantly exemplifies that philosophy, the way they live. And it's easy sometimes to tie those things together and hate the sinner along with the sin. And that's where the principle of speaking the truth in love comes in as as believers, you know, that we have responsibility to love that person and give them the gospel and share with them the truth, uh, at the same time helping them to understand that we don't agree with the way that they're choosing to live their life or the philosophy that they're holding. Yeah, that that's a really good thought. And I'm just, you know, I'm kind of thinking out loud right now, but you know, consider with me the ministry of Jesus. So in the ministry of Jesus, he was obviously always dealing with sinners mm-hmm. because we're all sinners. 
but dealing with people in, in their sin. And yet, when Jesus dealt with people in their sin, he didn't look at them as sin being their identity. Right. He, he looked at not as sin from the standpoint of what they loved, although they may have loved their sin, but he looked at sin as that which was hurting them, mm-hmm. as sin was the enemy. Sin was what they needed to be separated from so they could enjoy the freedom that Christ alone could give. Um, that's a great distinction. Yeah, I think of, as you were talking, I think about the woman at the well, you know, um, I think about Nicodemus. There are so many examples in Scripture of exactly what you just described, but Jesus was always concerned about what was hurting them mm. and how how he had he had the answer for them. He had the living water. He had eternal life, and that was that was always his focus. So, John says, "Love not the world," and I, I want us to keep this in context. So, remember last episode, John wrote to the little children. He wrote to the fathers. He wrote to the young men, and the immediate context of 1 John 2.15 is, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong, Mm. and the word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. Love not the world. Mm. So I think the point there is sometimes we look at love not the world as, yeah, that's the verse that those carnal Christians really need. That's the verse. I'll tell you what, the people that are dabbling in Yeah, that's true, but let me tell you who needs that verse. Everybody. And wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest ye fall. Uh, The world and the world system is constantly seeking to invade. I like what one commentator said. He said, "We, we, God is not saying to isolate ourselves from the world. So, the, the 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 point here is not love not the world so shut the world out yeah, yeah. because it's very clear that we are supposed to be salt and light. Sure, we're supposed to be up against the world. We're supposed to be touching the world. Yep. And I love the illustration of the boat. Did you read that? No. So the illustration of the boat is okay. What what's the purpose of a boat? The purpose of a boat is to be in water. The purpose of a boat is to sail places and to transport people. It has a purpose. So if I built a boat and never put it in water, would it be a boat? Mm. Sure. But would it serve a purpose? No. Okay. Now, if I put a boat in water, but then I put water in that boat, (laughs) would that boat serve the purpose? No. That boat would sink. There's a great illustration of the Christian life. We're the boat. We're supposed to be in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed to be in the water, but we're not supposed to be in the water. You understand the difference? So there is a purpose. There is a, a touching point, but there is a separation as well. So we've got to keep that tension always in mind. Yeah, that's a, and that's a tough thing to do, to be in the world yet not of the world, because we are, especially today, with you know television and social media and everything that, that we have that's tangible at our fingers, we are so inundated by the world and the world system. It's just a part of our life. And to be in the world, not of the world, is difficult. So how do we do that? I think the answer goes back to what you just talked about, the immediate context. We do that by staying in the Word of God. So we're in this world, but we're not of it because we're in the Word of God. And the Word of God is in us and abides in us. And if I am loving God and loving His Word, then I'm going to 
keep myself from this world's system. And really, God is going to protect me. From Absolutely. This system. And Jesus is our example, yeah. as always. Jesus didn't separate himself from sinners. Right. And yet he was separate from sinners. Yeah. See the difference? Now, I think, I think the words that really help me to understand this are the words, are the words isolation and the words insulation. Mm. So some people view loving not the world as a matter of we're called to isolate. So we are to isolate from the world, never interact with them. You know, every so often, let's go out with full armor, hazmat suits on, <laughs> you know, and give them a gospel track. But short of that, and that's not what the Bible's no, teaching. No, it's really insulation. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that okay, uh, to me, a great example is this. Okay, if, if I'm going to go walk on the bottom of the ocean, then I need a, a diving suit, sure. you know, that has a, uh, a lifeline to the boat above that's going to be pumping me air mm-hmm. to equalize the pressure yeah. in my suit or this world below will crush me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's who we are, folks. We are in the diving suit. We are, we our lifeline is, the, is to the world above. And when we maintain that lifeline, that equalizes the pressure in the world below. And we walk on this, we walk in this world, but we're not of this world. Yeah. We're in it, yeah. but we're not of it. We're not fish swimming. We're still a human being right. walking on the bottom of the ocean. We're in it, but we're not of it. Yes. And, and we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. And I think as we keep that in mind and as we realize that our strength lies not within ourselves and our own power, I think of uh, a, a constant constant reminder is, is Joseph and Potiphar's wife. You know, and in that situation, he fled. He didn't stay there and, and feel like I'm strong enough to withstand this temptation. He ran away. And I think sometimes we we fail, we we fail God because we feel like, well, I'm strong enough to withstand this temptation. No, we're we're not. We we are strong through the power of Christ. But man, run away, flee the the world's systems, flee the world's temptations. I mean, the Bible's very clear uh, on that principle. And I know there's a lot of debate on this topic. And you're, you're probably asking yourself the question right now. So, okay, all right, Kurt. Well, what does that mean really in practical language uh, to be in the world, not of the world? How do I know what mm. to partake in, what not to partake in? And, and I think that your conscience is a big part of that. I think your own walk with the Lord. I think even depending on your age, your, your spiritual leadership is going to help guide you in some of those decisions. But I, I would just say this. Culture... The world culture around us, some of it is just anti-God, yeah. and it needs to be repudiated. You know, we shouldn't be walking in the kind of culture that is anti-God and participating in that. Uh, so so that that's one part of it. But an, another part of it is there there is a lot of culture that is just neutral. Mm. It's just the way we do things. Yeah. Um, there's American culture, there is Asian culture, there is you know, European culture. And insofar that culture itself is neutral, we have the responsibility to embrace it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to be some kind of a weird Amish version of Christianity. No, insofar that culture is neutral, I want to embrace it because I want to find every connecting point I can. Get that boat in the water. 
And then there are certain parts of culture that retain a vestige of the image of God, certain things that culture celebrates that are good things. And an example of that that I use is you know, like disaster relief. If yeah. there's a hurricane or a flooding, for instance, this this past year in uh, Kentucky, there was some and uh, the tornado, and communities rallied and helped. Well, Christians ought to be at the forefront of that cultural endeavor. So, insofar that culture does good things, Christians ought to be. Re- I mean, right there at the at the front front of the line. Insofar that culture is. Uh, celebrating things that are anti-God, that we ought to be lovingly rebuking that. But insofar that culture is neutral, we ought to be in culture, in the world, loving the people they're in, separating the sin from the sinner, making a difference. So I I know that that might not be a a definitive answer, but at least it's a way to guide our thinking. We're going to come back to this. So I knew that we're going to spend a little bit more time on these verses. So would you just maybe take some time today, meditate on 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Tomorrow, uh, Josh, let's unpack the what's in the world, th- yeah. those three yeah. elements. And, we'll, and I, I hope you'll help unpack it with us. So out of time for today. Have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.